Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I feel like uh, I should have gone to bed earlier. It's your Yahoo Sports Canada daily podcast for Wednesday, November 20th. But first, sports. Good morning, Canada. Thank you for tuning in with me. The Maple Leafs, they Maple Leafs it up last night against the Vegas Golden Knights. No other way to put it. I'm going to talk about that in just one moment. Also, Don Cherry launched his counter-programming to this show with his own podcast. It was a very, very busy night around the NHL. And Carmelo Anthony made his season debut with the Portland Trailblazers. But first, how many times are we going to do this? Here, Here's the Coles Notes script. From last night's Maple Leafs loss in Vegas, if you missed it, started off, they gave up the first goal, and then there was a big defensive mistake after a goal of their own, immediately uh, resulting in a back-breaking goal against. They allowed two goals in the PK, and then they had a very solid effort in the final 10 to 15 minutes of the game, only to come up short, and it was not quite enough, but then to say positive things in post-game that it wasn't as bad as it felt. Does any of that Sound familiar to you, Maple Leafs fans? Before I dive into the game a little bit, here are some facts. Here are some irrefutable facts. The Maple Leafs are 9-10-4 to start the season. That is below 500, even with the NHL's OT loss system that is designed to make teams seem more in the race than they actually are. And five games below 500, if you want to be honest about how many games ended with a win or a loss. Sort the league then by points, and they are 19th out of 31 teams, but even that is misleading. The Maple Leafs are one of five teams to have already played 23 games. So if you look at point percentage, which is quite basically how many of their potential points they have actually earned, and they plummet in those standings. Just how low, you ask? Here are the five teams picking up a lower percentage of points right now the Maple Leafs so far this year. The Detroit Red Wings, the Ottawa Senators, the Los Angeles Kings, the Minnesota Wild, and the New Jersey Devils. The Maple Leafs, with their well-over-the-cap roster, their overcrowded and overqualified coaching staff, and a collection of defensemen that features at least three guys that have played big minutes in big situations, they are all rubbing elbows with teams that came into the year with their eyes on the draft lottery odds you want more numbers let's do more numbers the opening goal is the 18th time 18 in 23 games the main police have given up the first goal in the game that is more than enough evidence to qualify as a troubling trend by giving up two power play goals against Vegas, the Maple Leafs PK falls to just over 73% effectiveness. That is 27th in the league. Once again, rubbing elbows with the Kings, the Red Wings, and the New York Rangers in that regard. Goals against? How about goals against? 79 through 23 games, the second worst mark in the league. 
on a per-game basis that is just under three and a half goals against per game, the eighth worst mark in hockey. And what could you even say about this anymore? After the game, the Maple Leafs quotes were mostly positive. More or less, players were pleased with the effort, including Mike Babcock. And I guess that means we're just going to overlook getting outshot 17-8 to in the second period. That's where we are now. 40 decent minutes is a good game to build on. And, you know, we were fed the line that, that more games played like that. Well, eventually they're going to break back into the win column. And hey, that may be true. But is this really where the expectations are at? Like, if they don't fold up going down one nothing to a 500 hockey team, we're happy about it. Give me a break. And listen, track back through the last six games, through the last two weeks, through this entire season basically on the show, and you can hear me talk to three, four, maybe five people about this team. And you hear a lot of my coworkers and peers politely dancing around the idea that this rough patch may or may not be indicative of bigger problems and I gotta say it is time to look in the mirror and ask some very real actual questions about every part of this franchise and the easy one the one that everyone starts with the lowest hanging fruit is the head coach Mike Babcock there's a laundry list of questions you can ask about the coaching and coaching can be very tough to quantify, especially in the NHL. So I'm going to do my very best here to be judicious and lay the blame on the coaching as specifically as I can. To start with, special teams, a disaster. The opening goal, a power play goal against, and an absolutely brutal John Tavares penalty opened the door for the power play game winner. You could see it coming from so far away, I swear. You could have a meal ready for it by the time it got there. Now, as I mentioned before, fourth worst PK in the league right now. The top power play unit on the other side, just absolutely loaded with players counted on for their offense. And when fully healthy, the fully healthy PP1 makes about $40 million combined per year. Remind you, the NHL salary cap, just over $80 million. So we're talking about half the team's resources. Literally half the money they spend is on the PP1, and they don't get full two-minute stretches to score ever the elite power play teams in this league Boston Washington hell even Edmonton right now they use that time on the advantage to make sure their top power play unit plays as much as possible just doesn't happen for the main police now and what else can we chalk up to coaching here how about player deployment Cody Cece, who, again, I'm trying to be fair here. I'm trying to not bury a guy. But Cody Cece is averaging 22 minutes a game. He is chained to the side of Morgan Riley. Cody Cece has that spot on lock. And it takes a lot, on the flip side, to get Austin Matthews' line to play even 20 minutes, no matter what kind of night they are having. I can go on here. The insistence on the goaltending rotation. How about that? forcing the backup to only play in the second half of back-to-backs. That has resulted in a grand total of one point from the game started by the backup goaltenders. Is Michael Hutchinson an NHL goalie? Is Casimir Kaskisuo? Honestly, I have no idea because they've never been put in a situation to be anything other than a target for shooting practice. And Babs, he also doesn't do the smaller, riskier stuff. Stuff like pulling his goalie to give him the six-on-four advantage last night with three minutes to go in a one-goal game. It's these tiny little edges, these little tiny things. They all add up, and they're all little tiny ways that the league has changed offensively in the last 10 years, and they all 
seem to elude Mike Babcock. Now, based on his first few years in Toronto and his last few years in Detroit, he seems like a great guy to help get a team that isn't quite ready to fight and make the playoffs. But he, is he the guy to push that same team to the next level after they've heard all of his little life lesson stories for four or five years? I don't know. I don't know if I can answer that. And, and with all those questions for Babcock, and all of them are valid, mind you. You can peel this back another layer. Go up another step. You say Cody CC being deployed improperly. Well, who's in charge of getting Cody CC and putting him in that position? Who on this roster, to go further, should be playing beside Morgan Riley for 24 minutes? You want it to be Tyson Berry? He certainly hasn't earned that spot. And if you want to move Jake Muzzin up, he's played well. That means your other pairings are either Berry and CC together. Yikes. Or one of those two guys paired with a rookie in Justin Hall, or 22-year-old in Travis Dermott. Not a lot of great options there. The special teams, as I said, a disaster. I already mentioned the $40 million power play is sputtering, but we believe it'll come around. The penalty kill, though, their inability to stop any sort of bleeding is costing the team's games. And again, when you look at the roster, who should be killing the penalties? It certainly isn't going to be any of the multimillionaire forwards. So who's left? Trevor Moore, who's played 46 career games and is now on IR. Ilya Mikheyev, who's played 23 games. Frederick Goche, maybe. It really shouldn't come as a huge shock that a team that is openly all about building skill and building depth on all four lines with guys who can score suffers for a lack of players capable of killing penalties at a high level. You can't rely on Zach Hyman to dig you out of every jam in every situation in every part of the rink. He's useful, but he's not everything. I mentioned the goalie rotation earlier, but to reiterate a point I made facetiously during that talk, are those backup goalies actual NHL caliber goaltenders? The league-wide trend has been for teams to acquire two very good goalies, a 1A and a 1B, with the attention not only of picking up those points on back-to-backs, but to also keep goalie 1A from being completely out of gas by the end of the year. Frederick Anderson has played 17 of 23 games. That puts him on pace to make 60 starts for the fourth time in four years in Toronto. Other than 18 games a few years ago where Curtis McElhinney put up a 934 somehow, he's never had a capable guy to split time with while he's been in Toronto. And that remains as true this season as it ever has. So sure, you can say Babcock, the coaching staff, they have not gotten the most out of the roster they've been handed, but are we sure the roster he's been handed has been built properly? We keep being reassured this team is packed with top-end talent. You hear it and you hear it and you hear it. But if that isn't getting it done on any given night, do they have enough other tricks up their sleeve to win another way if they have to? And with how razor-thin the margins are now and how talented even the bad teams are, is that enough? And lastly, I promise I promise you this is the last angle I talk about before I talk about anything with the Maple Leafs for a little while. It all comes down to the players. You can deploy these guys however you want, line them up whichever way you feel, maybe give them a thing to look for or a style, but ultimately the players on the ice have to make the difference. Tyson Berry is better than he has shown us. He put up 60 points, basically, in the last two seasons each. Morgan Riley dealing with an injury, but he can be a lot better. Go up and down the lineup, anybody you want to name, to a man. Basically, every player on this team can and should and needs to be better than they are currently showing. 
I asked yesterday on this show if the 6-1 loss to Pittsburgh on Saturday was rock bottom, and it it may have been. But if it wasn't, Marc-Andre Fleury's diving save to keep the Leafs from tying the game in the final minutes last night just may have been. Maple Leafs road trip continues on Thursday. They face Arizona, the Coyotes, a homecoming game for Austin Matthews. And I promise, I promise you this, I swear to you, I will not talk about the Maple Leafs on this show tomorrow for my own sake, if nothing else. Other hockey stuff, and yes, there is non-Maple Leafs doom hockey to talk about. Good news, good stories. The Edmonton Oilers continue their assault on the score sheet with another win. I waste so much air and so much ink on the Maple Leafs. How about the exact opposite situations? The Oilers, pegged to not really do much, probably missed the playoffs. They are on top of their division. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl won two in points. Dreisaitl has 44. They're the best power play in the league. They are looking excellent. They won again last night. On the flip side, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they lost again. They're even worse than the Leafs right now. And of course, getting way less heat for it, but... That's life in the NHL. They are 9-7-2 now, 6th in the Atlantic Division. Also in hockey tangentially, Don Cherry's new podcast, The Grapevine, hit the digital airwaves last night. I do not have anything else to say about that other than thank you for listening to this show instead of that one right now. Uh, Quick spoiler if you want it. He did not apologize. All right. Moving on, finally, Carmelo Anthony made his debut for the Portland Trailblazers last night. Melo rocking the double-zero jersey, which I absolutely love. He had 10 points in 24 minutes. He went 4 of 14 from the floor. He was a minus 20 overall. The Blazers fell to the New Orleans Pelicans. Maybe 35-year-old Melo in his 17th season is not the answer to the 5-10 and 10 start for Portland. And hey, that's unfair to Melo to say, but it is easy. And it is fun. So there you go. The real problem, Hassan Whiteside. Anyway, that's all for today's show. Thank you so much for bearing with me while I dealt with uh, all of that. The Toronto Raptors. Hey, there's a happier thing. Raptors. They're back in action tonight against the Orlando Magic. Tip-off for that one just after 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Do not miss it. And do not miss tomorrow morning's episode where we talk about all that good stuff. And hopefully you'll join me. I can assure you the tension be a lot lower tomorrow than it was today until then do me a favor and keep digging through and enjoy your wednesday mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.